What's wrong with you people? I'm serious. I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is, and we don't know who we are. Give us some men who know the truth. Know the truth. The Reformation was founded upon sola scriptura. The reformers didn't call themselves reformers. They just wanted to be biblical. And you can sit in Starbucks all day long with your skinny jeans on and talk about reformers, or you can pick up a Bible and start getting biblical. The man on the middle cross said, I can come. So thank you for the invitation to be here. My task is very difficult, and yet it's quite simple at the same time. Here's the difficult part. We have structured our time together in three messages. And when, when I was talking with these brothers, particularly when I was on a phone conversation with Van, we referenced that passage in 1 John where different aged men are referenced um, in that passage of Scripture. I'm not going to be preaching from 1 John this evening, but there is a little bit of a pattern there that we see that in right under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the pen of the Apostle John, different brothers are mentioned. The challenge for us is that everything that I'm going to say tonight, almost everything anyway, is going to relate to all of us, whether we're young men, middle-aged men, or further along middle-aged men, to say <laughs> that. But the challenge is, we don't have enough time this weekend to discuss all that the scriptures could teach us about any one of those stages of life. I mean, our brother Marvin just a few moments ago mentioned uh, those that are young. And I don't know what age frame we have in mind. I used to think I was young, and then I started to experience all those aches and pains <laughs> that you're talking about. And I saw Van showing me videos of what are they, zippy doodahs or whatever that you bring uh, Ringers. <laughs> and, and I thought to myself, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> So I don't know what age frame we would consider all these things, but pick one of them in your mind. What are the issues that are there? Well, if it's a young man, it may be marriage, a family, it may be vocation. Um, if it's a middle-aged individual, he may be a husband, he may be a father, he may be moving into being a grandfather, a great-grandfather for the older gentleman, all of the topics that we could cover would fill multiple men's retreats. So what I want to do tonight is to do two things. I want to simply talk to all of us, but with a focus on young men. And I'm going to pick one particular area that I hope will speak to a lot of the decisions that, that young men face. And that is the decisions that we make, making wise decisions. Now that's not to say that our middle-aged brothers in the room or our older brothers in the room don't need to also make wise decisions. But I want to speak to this idea of how particularly young men are going to have a lot of formative decisions to make and how are they to think as they walk with Christ about making wise decisions. Now the second thing that I need to say is that this is going to be a little bit different than a Lord's Day sermon. I'm not going to pick a passage and just walk us through that passage and seek to communicate what that text says. 
Rather, I'm going to be doing a survey of the scriptures. So I wouldn't necessarily advise you to listen to this as if it was uh, designed to be a sermon by itself, but rather a survey of what the scripture says for young men, secondary, secondarily all of us, on making wise decisions. There's a background that we need to speak to, and then I want to take us to various texts of scripture. And the background is this, law and gospel. Mm. Law and gospel. Maybe you've heard this distinction before. Some of the reformers, the Puritans, could argue that you could summarize the scriptures in two words, law and gospel. Briefly, I just want to remind us of what it is because there will be certain decisions that we need to make in this life that are not really decisions in one sense. They're laid out clearly for us. But the law of God, obviously, requires of us how we are to live. I'm specifically thinking in this instance of God's moral law, that reflection of his character that is written upon the hearts of human beings. Of course, that law which our first father broke when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, breaking, yes, that, that positive command, but also breaking that law which God had put on his heart, loving God and loving neighbor, is how Jesus summarized it. Of course, that law was then summarized at Mount Sinai, the ten words. It was taught on by the Lord Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. It is now given to believers as a tool to understand how to glorify God. The law of God is important for us to consider when we think about making wise decisions. Now, let's make the distinction, and then let's get into the meat of the matter. The law requires of us how we are to live. We are told in many areas what we must do and what we must not do. If you came to me as a young man and said, hey, Ryan, I'm a Christian, you're a Christian, I have a question. Should I commit adultery? I don't need to think long and hard about that. I don't need to think, I wonder what the wise thing to do here would be. <laughs> Let's get coffee and talk about it. I would be glad to get coffee with you if you're considering committing adultery. But here's the thing. That's spelled out for us. The law of God spells that out. And we, by the way, brothers, are adulterers in our hearts and our minds. And perhaps there are some in the room who have literally committed adultery. And by the grace of Christ... He has borne that burden for us. But the law of God is important for us to consider. But I want to distinguish that from the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the means of God giving us life. Now, I know that I said we're going to talk about young men and middle-aged men and older men, and here we are seemingly just talking about that which we talk about all the time, gospel. But we have to remember that the law is not the gospel, and the gospel is not the law. Okay. In one sense, it has been said before, the law requires certain things of us. In the gospel, we have the message that Christ has provided everything necessary for us. So with that background in place, particularly young men, and you middle-aged brothers, you senior brothers, 
gather around us for just a few moments and, and listen in. And perhaps even in our fellowship times, provide further wisdom that you may have, having once been a young man, and perhaps a young man who walked with Christ. How is a young man, a young Christian, to make decisions? Well, the first thing that I would suggest to us, brothers, is that young men, you need to be looking up. Looking up. And here's what I mean. Yes, number one, God's law. Look up to the Lord God and see what his ways are. The law of God tells you how to make certain decisions. But beyond that, if something is not clearly spelled out for the Christian young man, it's not a question of whether he should commit adultery or steal his neighbor's goods or take the Lord's name in vain, dishonor the Sabbath, these kinds of things. How is he then to consider make, making decisions? Well, by looking up, we also mean looking to God's principles. Now, I have to say this. We all know that God is not simply up. God is everywhere. But you know what I mean. I'm trying to give us a visual image. We are to look to the Lord God when we seek to make wise decisions. We look to his law, but then to principles. A couple of texts. Let me take you to one. Perhaps you could quote it with me, but that's Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. You want to know how to be wise, how to make a wise decision? Proverbs 1, verse 7 lays out a general principle for us, doesn't it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord ought to inform the decisions that we make. Now, I know that, that sounds very general. Thinking, well, do I take this job or do I take that job? Do I ask this woman to be my wife, or do I not? Well, behind all of it is, yes, God's law, but also the idea of this principle we find in the Word, the fear of the Lord. Can you ask this woman to be your wife? Can you take this job with the fear of the Lord with you? And if the answer is no, that ought to cause you to take a moment's pause. But we could go to other places. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Do all things for what, brothers? Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. All things for the glory of God. So God's law, but then beyond that, the principles that we see in the Word such as the fear of the Lord and the glory of God ought to be in view, young men, as you consider decisions. Can you be dating or courting or whatever term you choose to use that young lady and take her to certain places where physical boundaries are going to be broken with the fear of the Lord in view and the glory of God in view? I would suggest to you that you cannot. Now, of course, we know that the law of God speaks to that. But can you skirt that line a little bit? Well, you can make that decision. But can you do that with the glory of God and the fear of the Lord? Here's another one as we consider looking up. And I hope by now you know what I mean. We're looking to the Lord, God's law, the principles of his word. Psalm 37, verse 5. Psalm 37, verse 5. One other passage of scripture 
this principle says this, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So let's pause for a moment. You are a young man who is walking with Christ, and you need to know how to make a wise decision. The law of God doesn't seem to speak directly, it would seem, to that decision. Do I take this job? Do I take that job? Do I move my new family halfway across the country to this job or not? Those kinds of things. So if it's not laid out in the law of God, then it becomes, what's the wise thing to do? How do we know that? Well, brothers, as we look up, as we look to God's word, there are certain principles. Is this wise? The reason that I began with the law of God is we have to be careful not making laws where there are not laws. But we also have to be careful that we consider wise decisions. There are some things that may not in of themselves be sinful, but they wouldn't be wise for us. They wouldn't be, as Paul says, beneficial to us. So I would submit to us that when we are considering as young men how to make wise decisions, we should look up to the living God. What does his law say? What does the scripture say about what might be the wise thing to do? But secondly, in addition to looking up, I would encourage us to look in. And for that, let me ask you a four-word question. What are my motives? What are my motives? When I'm thinking about a decision, and I've already consulted God's law, and this again, this isn't the adultery thing or the stealing thing or the murdering thing, it's a decision that I need to make. What are my motives? Looking inward, what, what is it that's really going on in my heart as it relates to this decision? Right. A couple of passages. Again, Proverbs 15, 16 speaks to the fear of the Lord. But here's another motive. Let me take you to another passage in Proverbs. Proverbs 29, 25. 29-25. This helps us consider something that is so often in our hearts, although it shouldn't be. Proverbs 29, 25. Listen to these words. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. Brothers, how often are we driven by the fear of man? That's the the most common phrase, let's say it differently. How often are we driven by what other people think of us? Our motives in making a decision are oftentimes driven by what other people think of us. And if we not only look up to the Lord, but we look inward, we can see, you know, I am seeking to make this decision, and I'm bringing my whole young family with me. But really, this whole thing is just about fear of man. I ought not to move forward. Middle-aged men and senior men do have a lot of decisions to make. But it could be said that younger men, younger brothers in the faith, have a lot of decisions to make that are really going to set the trajectory for the rest of their lives. And so we should consider, amongst all the other things that we could talk about, how to make wise decisions. Looking up 
and looking in. Now, continuing with this idea of looking in, what are my motives? Is it the fear of the Lord? Proverbs 15, 16. Or is it the fear of man? Proverbs 29, 25. Unless we think that we are not, uh, you know, susceptible to this situation. Remember Peter's story in Galatians chapter 2? I mean, Peter, the man that walked with Christ, the man that was restored by the risen Christ, the man who was notably preaching in the book of Acts, is the same Peter that had to be confronted by his brother Paul over really a gospel kind of issue. And it, it in part related to what? Peter of man. Peter of man. Now, I don't want to elevate our brother Peter, but if Peter could stumble in this way, certainly we ought to be at least on guard for this idea, making decisions because of what other people will think of us. It is a snare, she says. Well, let's continue. As we think about looking at our own hearts, Proverbs 17, 3 says, the Lord tests our hearts. Our hearts are laid bare before the Lord. Perhaps we ought to consider praying in these ways. And I told you that I was going to be giving you a survey, so I hope you don't mind the Bible drill that we're going on here, but Psalm 26, verse 2, maybe this ought to be our prayer, particularly in times when we're making decisions. Psalm 26, 2, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. If the psalmist, this is the psalm of David, if the psalmist can pray, Lord, would you examine my heart? Would you try my heart? Perhaps we ought to be regularly praying like that, particularly when we're in seasons of making decisions. Even decisions that don't seem to be all that consequential. What job do I do? I, do I leave this company and go over here? Uh, do, I, do I do this kind of uh, task or this kind of task? Lord, would you examine my heart? What are my motives? You know, I would also suggest to us that part of looking in is asking ourselves the question, do we have a proper view of ourselves? Let me take you to the Apostle Paul. Again, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he gives us some very strong words. Romans 12, verse 3. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now, I know none of you in this room struggle with this. It's just me. But are we so often prone to misjudging ourselves? And some of us in this room think too much of ourselves in this way. We beat ourselves up. We practically deny the grace of God in our lives to ourselves. We have what some secular psychologists may call a low self-esteem, and that's one kind of thinking too much of ourselves. But the other half of us thinks too much of ourselves in this way. We think too highly of ourselves. So as we look up to God, to the principles of his word, we are also to look in. The scripture calls us to look in. Fearing the Lord or fearing man? Is the Lord testing my heart in this? Do I have a proper view of myself in this? Well, 
I think we could say then there's at least one other area that we can fix our gaze upon. We're to look up to the Lord. We're to look in at our own hearts. Let's go to a third one. Brothers, young men who are walking with Christ, seeking to make decisions, I would encourage us to look around. Look around. For this, I want to give you a smattering of texts. When I say look around, here's what I mean. A couple of questions. One might be this. Who does this impact? This decision that I'm about to make is not clearly spelled out in the law of God. It doesn't necessarily seem to be unwise, but who does it impact? Ephesians 5, 22 and following, young men who are married, we have a responsibility to our wives. Our decisions impact our wife. Your decisions, if you are married, impacts your wife. Do you consider that when you think about whether something is wise or not? Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, how will this decision impact my children? I know this is basic stuff, brothers, but you would be absolutely astounded if you'd have the opportunity to hear some of the stories that I've heard where these things that we might be taking for granted tonight, other men have not taken for granted. They didn't even think about it. I didn't even consider how this impacted my wife. I didn't even consider how this would impact my children. The children that I am tasked to raise in the fear and admonition of the Lord, I did not even think about them when I made this decision, these men may say. So look around. Who does this decision impact? Philippians 2, verse 3 reminds us that we are to consider others as more important than ourselves. Are we considering who this decision impacts? Here's another question as we look around ourselves. Will this decision bind me to anything? Not that it's wrong to be bound to certain things in any way. But I'm thinking, for instance, of major decisions, like 2 Corinthians 6.14 reminding us not to be unequally yoked. Young men, sometimes you will be faced with certain decisions put in your path, in God's providence, yes, put in your path, that depending on what you choose may bind you to certain things for a long time. And so you ought to look around and ask yourself, who does bind me to anything? Young men who are married, let me ask you this. As you think about making wise decisions, what's your view of your life in that decision? In this couple of comparisons. When you are looking at making a wise decision or not, if you're married, do you view your wife as a helper or a servant in this decision? Do you view your wife as a partner or as an employee? Here's another one. Do you view your wife as a God-given wise counselor to you who knows you better than anyone, humanly speaking? Or do you view your wife as a speed bump who is getting in your way and slowing you down? You see, so often young men, I don't mean to be stereotypical, 
so often young men. Perhaps because many of them grew up in homes where they didn't have a good godly example of what a young man could look like, what fatherhood or husbandry could look like. They come to Christ, they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, they love the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, but there is a zeal that is sometimes not tempered with the wisdom of experience. And so they will move out, they will make decisions, they will say, this is what we're going to do. Look behind them, their life is struggling to follow. Their children are struggling because of this. Oh, there is a zeal there. No one is doubting who's in control, but, but, may not have been a wise thing. So looking up, looking in, and looking around. I have to add one other set of questions. When I said, who does this impact? I specifically went to the family, didn't I? Wife, you have one. Children, you have one. There's another aspect of needing to look around as a young man when we're seeking to make decisions. Here's the question. In this decision, how do I view my church? How does this impact my church? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Maybe you and your wife have decided that it would be a good thing to earn a little bit of extra money. You've neglected to really search your motives because if a wise counselor were able to sit down with you, your motives are really, well, we just really want the next boat. So, we need a little more money. But that means that the change in job is going to pull you away from the community of Christ. Oh, you'll be able to go to church more Sundays than not. You'll be able to occasionally check in with people from church, but there will have to be sacrifices if you're going to take this new job. Now, is taking a new job against God's law? No. But as you look around you, how does this impact your church? In this instance, your own soul. But how does this impact your church? I have known of individuals who made all kinds of plans, taken new jobs, selected the moving company, figured out where the new house is going to be halfway across the country, only to then ask the question, huh, I guess we should consider it over the church. Wise decisions mean that we not only look up to the Lord and to his word, and look in and test our motives, beseeching the Lord that he would test them for us. And we look around, and one of the things that we're going to consider when we look around is, how does this impact my church? Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 2, that he shared not only the gospel and the word of Christ with Thessalonians, but he shared his life with them as well, because they were here. My brothers, I only know a little bit about the church, and it's wonderful, good things about you. From my limited time with you just this evening, the camaraderie seems to be strong. Do you realize, young man, 
what a blessing it is. If indeed you are in a gospel proclaimed, word saturated church that is full of men seeking to live on their face before the living God. Do you understand what a blessing that is? And how the decisions you make ought to have that in view. You see, for us, it's not that we can't take a new job or move to a new church. But we want to ask ourselves, if I take this job, it's going to take me away from my church. And that may be what Christ is calling me to, but is that good for me and for my family? And is that good for this church? Man, hard to be asked to talk about that. I have no idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> we ought to be considering the local church. Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2. What does it call us to? Turn there to this side. Did you know that if you're a Christian, you are called to certain tasks? I've said before that you can't really do much of what the New Testament envisions Christianity to be if you're not part of a local church. So look at Galatians 6, 1 and 2. You as a young man, maybe you're 18, maybe you're 28. I don't know, uh, Marvin, Thirty-eight-year-old men, are they young men? They're borderline, moving into the uh, middle age period. So, somewhere in there, and several of you young men who are not yet eighteen, but you'll be there soon, and you're catching some of what I'm saying. Listen to one of the things that Christians are called to do: Galatians six one and two. Brethren, brothers, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so we go to law of Christ. It is a tough place to be in. To be a Christian if you don't like to help bear burdens. Hmm. The New Testament calls us to it, doesn't it? Now what does that have to do with decisions? Well, when I make a decision, this decision may put a burden on my church family. And I don't just mean that as a man who's a pastor. Sometimes if you're, if you're an elder in a church, your decisions will impact the body even more than if you're not an elder or a deacon. But just as a Christian man, the decisions that we make will impact our body. And I don't mean, do I go to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's today for lunch? That's an easy one, by the way. <laughs> yes, it's Chick-fil-A. McDonald's every once in a while, too. But I mean, these decisions that we make, have we considered how that will impact our church? This is the same for middle-aged men. It's the same for senior brothers. Particularly younger men with a lot of energy, a lot of vitality, and a lot of youthful zeal. And I was not too long ago there. I'm firmly in that middle-aged camp. But I don't know that. We're going to get things done. Let's go one step further. We're going to do what the previous generation didn't get done. Here you follow that? We're going to be that next generation of Christian men that are going to make quick decisions. We're going to get things done. Brothers, so often we view ourselves as a Phineas with a javelin out for the glory of God. And actually, we're just acting like fools. If we're not seeking to be wise, to look up to God, what his word says, to look in and say, what are my motives here? Is this really the glory of God or is this the fear of man? Is this the love of self? And looking around to our life, 
children, our church. Well, think about the decisions that you might make as a young man. It's a, it's a tightrope, really, because you know that you're in a church where there are people who will help you. But is it wise to ask your church to bear this burden, or is this an unnecessary burden? Well, here's one other question. I said when we considered looking around, who does this impact? Will this bind me to anything? How do I view my wife in this? How do I view the church? Here's another one. Have I gotten counsel? We as human beings, we as Americans, over the last four, three to four years, went through this interesting time period known as COVID, didn't we? And I don't know about you, but did you notice how society changed during that period of time? Certainly you did. And I don't even mean vaccinations and masks and all that kind of stuff. What I mean is a lot of things changed. A lot of churches changed. And one of the things that I noticed coming out of that period of time was that sometimes People seem to make very rash decisions without getting any counsel. And yet the Word of God calls us, beseeches us, to get counsel. Here's a couple passages of Scripture. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. There have been instances where, and it's few, had people call me and say, you, you tried to counsel me this way. And I didn't listen. And I wish I had. Now, that's not frequently the case. Because it's not as though I know all the right answers all the time. Sometimes I've encountered brothers, and a lot of times they're younger men or early middle-aged men who make decisions without seeking counsel, who make decisions in the vacuum. And I think, brothers, I think some of that, and I'm going to over-psychologize here, but I think some of that is we look around us and we say, being a man means I have to make decisions, so I'm going to make a decision. But I would submit to you that the picture of a man making a decision in the scriptures is one where a man considers and considers the voices of others. Don't, don't be tricked into thinking that what you need to do is just make a decision. Consider what the scripture calls you to do. Proverbs 12, 15. Proverbs eleven fourteen. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in abundance of counselors, there is safety. Listen, if you're thinking about fishing jobs, you've got, look around you, particularly at those, and we'll get to this Lord willing tomorrow, particularly those in the room with silver or gray hair, or no hair. <laughs> Consider that some of them might be able to give you some wise counsel. Consider the fact that you have, at least in this room that I know of, two elders who can give you very wise counsel. They may not have the answer, but they may be able to say, brother, I don't know that that's wise. Here's why. Do you have ears to hear that? So often, the youthful zeal that we can have, even as followers of Christ, is not tempered with the counsel of other people. And that can lead us into 
bad decisions. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Ecclesiastes 4, 13, better with a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king who no longer knew how to take advice. This is a survey, as I said, brothers. I could say, young men, let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about dealing with lust. Let's talk about the fact that we all walk around, at least most of us, with a computer in our pocket and the temptations are everywhere, aren't they? I could talk about the fact that as a young man, you're uh, going to experience uh, some of the challenges of making your way in the world in terms of career. There's a lot of topics that we could talk about for young men. But I think one way to encapsulate a lot of those things is a survey of what the scripture calls us to consider as we consider making wise decisions. Make no mistake, middle-aged men and senior men, you know you're making decisions. And I hope some of what we've talked about here is of value to you. Particularly young men, you will be making decisions. And I would just encourage you, look up. Look up to the living God. What does his law say? What does his word say? Look inward. Ask yourself honestly, what is my motivation here? And then look around. Who does this impact? Let me give you just a couple of word pictures to flesh this out. We said, secondly, look in. What are my motives? Let me take you to well, I would say the soccer field, but let's just make it fair for everyone, and we'll say the baseball field. Way hopefully everybody can get on board. Um, let's walk there for a moment, and let's observe the young Christian dad. He's got his boys out there; they're playing t-ball, and maybe you've seen this. The team is huddled together. You know how t-ball is, right? The kids are five and six, and they're barely able to put their jerseys on, much less hit the ball off the tee. But there they are gathered. And this young Christian dad is not the coach of the team, but he's sort of a helper coach. And he's told you that he really wants his young son to learn the lessons of masculinity. I want him to experience competitiveness. I wanted to learn that not everybody gets a trophy in this life. All right, those, those can be good things. Those can be good lessons. But as you watch this young Christian man, you notice that from the very beginning, he's constantly berating his son. He's constantly yelling at his son. And at first, you're tempted to think, well, he, he just wants his boy to get this right. And this is a life lesson for his young lad. And as you begin to watch him, you notice not all, not all the other dads are doing that. He is just ruthless in his criticism of his son. And when his son doesn't do something perfectly, he just gets really, really angry. I don't know if you've seen this. I've seen this. Now, in that moment, what I want to do is I want to walk over to that young dad. I want to pull him aside and I want to say, Stop trying to vicariously live through the failures or successes of your son. What's happening in that moment? Is that moment really completely all about training his boy? Or is there something else going on? Is there a motivation there? 
If my boy doesn't hit the home run, what will other people think? What will they think about me? So you look and you see him literally berating his kid. What's, what's the issue about? What's going on in his own heart? Do we stop and ask ourselves, what's going on in my own heart? And here's what the scripture says about this. They are very difficult to discern. So we ought to consider regularly when we're making decisions. What's really going on in my own heart? Is this really about this? Or is it about something else? Does that illustration make sense? You got that picture in your mind? Looking up, looking in, looking around. Some of you brothers might be petrified of making the wrong decision. So you find yourself in what many people will call analysis paralysis. You just, you don't know what to do. Look to the word of God. Look at your own motivations. Look around you, including the counsel of the Lord is provided you in this local church. See that God has given you the gift of counsel. You will avail yourself. Young men walking with Christ may be people who make wise decisions. I began this with the background of the law and the gospel. Let me take us to the gospel for this morning. It is entirely possible for a young man who has made a string of bad decisions to not only be forgiven, cleansed by the blood of Christ, but to be put in a position of restoration and to be able to make wise decisions. Don't adopt for yourself, if it's you, the identity of I'm the guy that makes the bad decisions. That may have been who you were. But that doesn't always have to be because of the gospel of Christ. You are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and He has given you His Word. He has given you counsel around you, and you can indeed grow in making wise decisions. So, one aspect of being a young man who walks with Christ is that you will be faced with making wise decisions, and invariably, we are going to face all kinds of things in this world. No one sat me down when I was a young man and told me how to parent a child in a world that doesn't know what gender is. That just wasn't a thing. Nobody gave me any special training. I'm assuming most of you who are, let's just say, 40 and up, you didn't get that training. The manual wasn't written on the whole transgender thing, for instance. The world is pushing before us every day all kinds of pressure, new areas, things that we have to decide. Young men, we can make wise decisions by looking up, looking in, and looking around, remembering that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Let's pray together. Living God, we ask of you that you would help, particularly the young men in this room, to consider this theme of making wise decisions. Some of these young brothers are in the midst of seeking to make decisions. Lord, help them by your spirit to pray like David. Lord, try my heart. Test my motives. 
Help them to seek counsel. Trusted brothers. Help them to consider the impact of the decisions that they make. Pray that these brothers would by your spirit be given the grace to place the fear of the Lord and the glory of God above the fear of man. Living God, we ask your help in these things, for we are needy and we are not sufficient. We thank you by your grace and promise you and given us your spirit, your word, and your people. We pray this in Jesus' name.